Hi, Cherise here with a special announcement. You can now enjoy select episodes of Detailed in video form. That's right. Detailed is now available on RCAT's YouTube channel. Now, you may be thinking, I already listened to the podcast. No need to watch it on YouTube. Well, trust me, if you don't want to miss out, even if you're an avid listener of the podcast, the video format is a completely different experience. Not only is it like hanging out with us, but you also get to hear parts of the conversation that were left on the cutting room floor. You can also see the photos, drawings, and video as we discuss the incredible projects that are featured. Come join us on YouTube. Follow the link in our show notes, and let's get into the details. This is an original podcast by RCAT. Try the number one most used website for finding building product information and save time and money. No registration is required with RCAT, so try it today and get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. It's very different here. Like the architect is the contractor. The architect is the guide of the construction workers, is the negotiator with the client. He's the one who's finding stuff to build everything. Like it's very different here. We're fighting people to do architecture. We're fighting society. We don't want only construction. We're doing architecture, whatever that means. This is Detailed, an original podcast by RCAT. I am your host, Sharice Lakeside, Senior Specification Writer at RDH Building Science and fondly known as the CSI Kraken. We will speak with professionals who share their insights into the most complex, interesting, and odd building conditions and the ingenuity it took to make it work. Join me as I pull back the curtain on the building industry and uncover the lessons learned. You'll gain valuable knowledge to help you better navigate your next project. Welcome to Detailed. The voice you heard in our opening was my guest, Sardasht Aziz architect at Zaka Architecture in Soleimania, Iraq. Sardash Daziz was born in 1989 in Soleimania in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. He studied architecture at the University of Soleimani, and in 2021, he co-founded Zaka Architecture with his university colleague and architect friend, Kaiwan Kawa. The name Zaka came from their combined initials. Saka is performing work in both the architecture and interior design arenas. The project we are going to chat about today is the Bakrajo House in Soleimania, Kurdistan region, Iraq. Before we get started, don't forget to take a look at the project photos and drawings as you listen along. You can click the link in our show notes or visit www.arcat.com podcast. Founded in 1781 by a local ruler who named it for the then Pasha of Baghdad, Soleimania is an entirely mountainous area which lies on the Iraqi and Iranian border and is part of the historic region of Kurdistan. I live in the northern part of Iraq. It's called Kurdistan region. It's an autonomous region. Like we're inside Iraq, but it's not, it has its government 
and uh, I live in Suleimania. It's a mountainous city. Like we have lots of mountain around the city, and yeah, it's a beautiful city. Probably one day when you visit, you can. Uh, I'll show you the city. This city is a trade center for local farm products, tobacco, fruits, cereals, and livestock. And through it passes trade between Baghdad and Tabriz, Iran. In Soleimania, architecture is not typically of significance. A simple functional home is more than enough. So for Zardash to become an architect, it was both notable and quite coincidental. It was quite coincidental for me because I... The system here works like if you get a high mark, you can go to colleges like medicine, engineering, dentistry, pharmacy, and others. So when I was at high school, I was telling my family, if I get a good mark, I'll go to engineering. If not, I'll go to military. Fortunately, I got a good mark and I went to architecture. And it was not that I chose architecture. I had a friend there, his freshman year. I asked him, what is the difference between architecture, civil, irrigation, electrical engineering. He said, we'll do designs and stuff. I said, okay, I'm, I'm coming to architecture. <laughs> That's how I started my architecture journey. Interesting. <laughs> it was quite coincidental. With this practical view and expectation for a home, neighborhood planning is also modest. The most common type of lot is 200 square meters or 2,153 square feet. For reference, according to a U.S. Census Bureau report on characteristics of new housing, the median lot size of homes sold in the U.S. in 2019 actually dropped to 8,177 square feet. So the houses on a typical plot, it's probably 90% of the plots here for residential houses are almost 200 meter. It's, a, it's just a typical plot like other houses. It's not big, it's not small. It's like municipality decided like every house should be 200 meter. I don't know how they came up with that because back in the times of the previous regime, the houses were much bigger, like 400, 600 meters. But right now, this house, Beckerjo is on a plot of 200 meter. It's in, a, in, a, in LA. In a neighborhood where every house is like other. So the house is made in brick, white brick. The use, using of white brick is not very usual here. And we bought this material from a neighboring country just for this house to make it very special. And the house has five bedrooms, a spacious living room at the ground level, mixing up with the kitchen and the dining area. And two stories. The ground level is for... Uh, public activities and only one bedroom for the grandmother of the family. And the first floor is for bedrooms. And that's all. It's a very subtle house living in the, in the neighborhood of typicality. Each home is built immediately adjacent to the next with very little separation. These constraints leave only one side available for views, which is often the shorter front elevation. Zardasht found these limitations to be a framework for cookie-cutter homes. His challenge was to infuse creativity within these constraints. I think the whole process was quite challenging because we wanted to change what is already there and still keeping the client's need in mind and giving them everything 
while we change the outer shell of the house. Uh, we, we did change a couple of things in the inside, like we pushed the core to the back of the house, and that's quite rare here. Probably all the houses in the city uh, have a small garden at the front of the house, and this garden is not usable because of privacy issues and, and small. But we changed this idea about having a garden at the front of your house. We pushed it back. And this created like a, a very big a void at the back of the house, uh, up to the sky. We provided fresh air from the outdoor to the first floor for the bedrooms, and then it comes down to the living room. It created like a, a cross ventilation effect on the house. You can have a fresh air coming from the sky to the void then to your living room if you open the windows. That's not very usual here because. We have the garden at the front, and we have a very compact and, and, and solid house that we have uh, like humidity issues sometimes because we don't have enough air in the house. We try to, to, to solve those things that we think they are issues and, and we can be solved by just changing the arrangement of the spaces. And uh, I think we, we did that in a good way. Instead of the standard, unusable small garden, the new arrangement created new opportunities to improve the indoor quality for the occupants. One story about this courtyard is uh, we replaced the grandmother's bedroom at the front of the courtyard uh, with a sliding window. So we gave the grandmother a very special place. She can go to the court having a good time looking at the sky while it's very private and secluded. And uh, we actually have the dining area close to the courtyard. The family members can have their breakfast or other eating times at the courtyard. And then it's quite functional. It's, it's just a very small change, but the change and the effects of the change is a lot. Like It's like a usable space. A wasted space at the front, and we pushed it back, and it's, it's very usable right now. The most important thing for us was changing the facade, the, the form. We did lots of iterations. It was quite a very intensive process to change what is typical. The whole process was challenging, and the design process took almost four months, which is quite rare for an architect to spend that much time on only one house. People doing house in, in days, like in, in a couple of days, they give you the design. But it's not something very special and very tailor-made for the client. It's just something usual and typical. Zaka set out to create a unique facade that stood out and pushed the boundaries of design for this neighborhood. The five-bedroom house is in a narrow alleyway without any special views. Zaka opted to avoid openings on the sides as they provide more privacy. The front elevation became even more important and celebrated. A series of curved walls form alcoves in the facade that recess the windows and prevent them from being directly exposed. The unorthodox form adds interest and allows light and ventilation deep into the home. However, designing a bespoke home in this context was not Zardash's only challenge. The real challenge was changing the client's mindset and convincing them to embrace something that was not a copy of what has already been built thousands of times before. 
if I'm being honest here, the owner was not the one deciding on wanting something very unique. Because I think at the very beginning of the process, when they gave us the brief, and then when we discussed the plan and stuff, we gave them everything, everything that they have wished for to be in this house for, for their family. So I think the shape and the form came from the will of us being young to change this typicality, this cookie-cutting out stuff that you see everywhere. You go from one neighborhood to another neighborhood, every house looks the same. Every architect in my city is doing houses the same. Almost the plans are the same, but we try to change this through the plans and the form. When we gave the client everything and they helped us, they believed in us when we gave them the, the form, they accepted it and we really appreciate them spending their money on our thoughts and stuff. We made it a, a reality because they believed in us. We really appreciate that. That's amazing. It really is because, you know, a lot of people might be resistant to that. Are they absolutely in love with this house? Well, at the very beginning, no. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning, I was like, what if we make it like others? We have this and this, like the neighbors, because we cannot imagine how the house looked when we build it. We were like, just leave in us. We'll do something very special. You'll love it. And when the structure finished, the owner said, oh, now I see how the house looked when we covered it in the brick. It was the first time he said he understood the process. <laughs> So they, they live in the house now, correct? Yeah, yeah. How has that gone with the rest of the neighborhood around them? Like, are people going, wait, I want a house that's different and unique? Well, uh, I hope so. I hope people are <laughs> enjoying the exterior of the house. But one time our, we were working on the house, there were a couple of guys going by the house. One of them said, oh, what is this? Is this a museum inside this house, the, between these houses? I was like, oh, museum. No, it's not a museum. It's a house. They were like, oh, this is a house. They're like, yeah, this is a house, but not a typical house. Not like others. A feature element of this remarkable facade is the use of white brick. We did not use the brick horizontally. We rotated by 90 degrees, so it will be easier for the curves to form the curve. But we faced a bigger challenge where we could not control the width of the joints from the ground level to the, the upper level. One can see the, the shifts in the joint by a couple of millimeters. We did not have good bricklaying masons to do the project, and that's another problem. I have to admit, at first glance, I had no idea that this home was clad in brick because of its distinctive use. We pushed two bricks together. Each two bricks ha has one joint. Like two bricks are compressed together with no joint. And then only we have one joint at the end of the two brick. And the vertical setting of the brick, making it uh, not look like a, a brick house. <laughs> That's a very like uh, funny thing to do because people don't know that the house is made in brick. Beyond the white brick, Zaka also introduced a very well-known but underutilized material. For the materials, the house has two special materials. The first one is the brick, and the second one is, is a local stone, the back wall of the stair, which is a local stone, Karadakh stone, 
It's from a mountain like an hour from the city. And we used it with different thicknesses to making it pop up and to make the wall like have lots of shadows and uh, a dynamic wall. And beside that, everything else in the houses is very typical, like gypsum board and, and tiles and stuff. Those two materials is the only special material that we used in the house. And, and the local stone, when we used it, when we were telling people it's, it's local and it's a Qaradaq stone, they were like, oh, you can do that with Qaradaq stone? Because they are not using it. They just... They take it for granted. They, they don't know how precious this stone is. You can do lots of design with those stones. Throughout this entire process, this home literally turned heads, even at the plan review agencies. We have two administrations that we have to take drawings to them and approve it before building it. One is the syndicate for like engineering it's like they guide architects and engineers to do things according to government's rules. And then we have the city municipality where everything, like dimensions, open areas, green areas, they decide on everything. So it's quite like almost the same, but not as intense as in the U.S. So how did they react to your plan when it walked in the door? Well, I remember one thing. And then the guy who was putting a stamp on the drawing, when he saw the lines where everything was curvy and stuff, he was like, looked at the drawing and it was like, well, what is this silly thing? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he, he was thinking that. Uh, like, what is this? It was, it was something they're, they're not accustomed with. Well, there's a good way to make sure everybody remembers your name. You have this thing that you've done that nobody else has. So that's certainly going to stand out. We did another thing that's not been done before. We brought a professional photographer from a neighboring country to do the photo shooting for us. And the guys are very professional. They have lots of projects by good architects in their country. So we did two things that was the first time being done. The overall design and, and how you document the design, how you present the design to people. I think the photo session was quite rewarding. And, and if we have not done the photo shooting, I, I don't think we'll be able to present the house uh, this way to the world. Like someone like you find it and, and we do a podcast about it. So it was, it was quite like uh, something that we planned for. We do this, this, and then that. When it came to construction, I'm sure you could guess which areas were points of difficulty. You got it, the unique brick installation and the curved walls. It was the curves. They are not having any experiences with curves. When we have lots of curves in this house, so it was very new for them and very time-consuming because, you know, if you do things in a straight way, it takes less time. And if you do it like, this house, it was quite uh, like a trial and error process. Uh, we were guiding the construction workers to do it like how we imagined it because they have no experience doing it, a house like this. And they did not understand how the house looked when they go up. They were like, we we're just telling them, do this, do that. We'll, we'll, you'll, you'll see 
by the end of the when we finish the structure you'll see how the house look and they were not envisioning how the final product would look like i imagine that you had to be out at the house during construction a lot more often than you would on just a typical house there yes and that's that's one thing that we do for every design that we are doing because probably more than 50% of the design that we do is very unusual for here for the construction workers for uh, in the design market here they're not usual so we need to take lots of time on site being the workers guiding them teaching them new techniques we like trying new things we don't do things traditionally we, we like to change and try new things and we guide the workers with us it's like a, a very beautiful process the house looks fortified from the exterior but you get close and enter the home you find that its shell peels away it is open spacious and naturally well lit on the interior the home quietly waits for passerby to stop for a moment to enjoy the unorthodox form and discover it as a unique gem amid much sameness around it this unique home brought about one lesson that will inform future projects and processes for this growing firm. Well, it's something that we are already like doing it. It's engaging the client more in the process. It's something that uh, they need to be engaged in the design process to showing them step by step, not just the final product and you give them like I always tell my friends we need to give them dose by dose, not like all, all the injection, <laughs> just but <laughs> bit by bit. It's dealing with the client. We, we change that. We bring in the client in the process and we ma- we're making them part of the process. So they will give us the final okay very easily. <laughs> A lot of people want to just, here, let me tell you what I'm going to do and then get out of my way to a client. Let me do it. But, you know, especially when you're talking about residential architecture, people's homes, I know that if I was hiring an architect to design me a home, I would be a little nervous about, you know, making sure I really got what I wanted and I I would want to be included. Even if I didn't work in this industry and know as much as I know, I'd want to be included in that process. And I think I would be calmer and less nervous about things if my architect communicated with me a lot more. And I didn't get any surprises I wasn't expecting. So I love that answer because I'm a big fan of communication. Designing one's home uh, is very personal. Like you're uh, getting into their very personal life. Like you tell them where to sleep, where to eat, where to have their guests. It's very personal. So we need to have this very strong connection with the client to make them part of the team. And letting us know their very personal life. We hear like lots of stories from different families when we engage them in the process. Not not only the residential projects, like for the interior projects, everything that we do. We hear different stories when we engage the client with us in the process. Before we close out this episode, I always try to gain some additional insight from our guests about the greater industry. In the U.S., there are a number of topics that occupy the conversation. Things like sustainability, affordable housing, mass timber. 
but I was curious about what topics are at the forefront in Zardash's part of the world. You know, I'm not living in a country where architecture is very, like, it's something that's, should I say, respected or known to people. Iraq is a place where architecture is not something that people are wishing for. They just want something to build, whatever that is. It's just The architecture is the outcome of the construction. It's not a process that the architecture has thought about before. In Iraq, it's not like in the U.S. We don't care about sustainability, actually. <laughs> we don't care about lots of documentation that, like you do and other architects in other countries are doing. Uh, because we don't get like a, a good design fee that we can go deep into the documentation process. Like it's very different here. Like the architect is the contractor, the architect is the guide of the construction workers, is the negotiator with the client, he's the one who's finding stuff to build everything. Like it's very different here. We're fighting people to do architecture. We're fighting society. We don't want only construction. We're doing architecture, whatever that means. Right. For instance, look at Dubai. They're building all kinds of crazy things. Huge, crazy whole islands full of crazy things. Do you see that changing there or are you looking to be the one that changes it? If I go back just like 15 years ago, I was studying architecture. I was, I was a student back then. But if I compare right now to 15 years ago, uh, lots of things have changed I mean, in a good way. People in the society are gradually respecting, starting to respect who, uh, architecture and architect. They, they are starting to find which one is a good word, which one is a bad word, which one is a cookie cutting, which one is very tailor-made. And that's a very hopeful, quite hopeful for us. And we as young architects, we try to be a, a small change in this very sameness. I think 15 years from now, things will be much better. Because like I said, if I compare right now to 15 years ago, lots of things have changed. People, techniques, everything. So I'm quite hopeful for future, where architecture is, is respected in my place. In a country that is in a constant state of destruction and rebuilding due to never-ending wars and economic instability, architecture is not typically a concern for most. In most cases, simply constructing a functional home is more than enough. Zaka aims to help people expand their perception of home design and gain a new perspective toward architecture. Maybe this project will help others see the value and pleasure in an aesthetically pleasing and beautifully built home. I really enjoyed this conversation with Sardasht. I hope this episode sparks a new idea, helps you solve a problem that you've been working through, or inspires the mark that you want to leave on this world on your path to world domination. I hate submitting myself to the status quo of things. I am always in this battle of doing things my own way. I believe in individuality. I don't believe in it, like following already paths that people are following. I love to discover things and, and I'm always engaging others to go deeper and discover things, discover more, more about themselves and more about the surrounding. 
on a professional level, I hope the office and myself will be a, a very good example, small good example of that you can change things. You can, I always use the word change because I like to innovate things, to innovate. The right word is innovation. I mean, everything is already made, even at a technological level, but they're innovating it. Like, we need those minds that innovate things. And I hope by the end of my life, I'll be someone who innovated in architecture and other people are following the path and they see it as a good example and a hope for them to do things their own. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more, visit rcat.com forward slash podcast to see photos, details, and more related project and product information that we discussed today. While you're there, take a look around rcat.com. For over 30 years, RCAT has been the resource for AEC professionals to find the right products for their project. Try RCAT and see how their tools can save you time and money and help you get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this with your friends. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back to share more stories and lessons learned to help you navigate your next project.